Friends, grace and peace to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Back when we first moved into our little house on the west side of Denver several years ago, uh, there was this cute little tree that was growing right next to the house, right at the end of the driveway. It was a funny-looking tree. I'd never really seen one like it. It had these really big and beautiful leaves, and they grew really fast, especially in the springtime. And I thought it was a pretty cool tree. It gave some good shade for some shade-loving plants that we wanted to plant. But then my brother came over, and my brother knows everything. And he'll tell you that. And he said, Jay, that tree's got to go. Now, I was a hippie back then, and I, I didn't want to cut down trees. I planted trees, right? That was, that was kind of, you know, into the Lorax when I was younger. I was like, why do I have to cut the tree down? It's a perfectly good tree. And he said, well, a couple reasons. One is it's an invasive species, and you can get fined for having it growing in your yard. But more importantly, it's because it's planted right next to the house, and the root system can compromise your foundation. So the tree's got to go. So reluctantly, I allowed him to help me cut the tree down. So we hacked it to pieces with a sawzall because neither of us had a chainsaw. And we cut it into tiny little pieces and we tried to dig it down as far as we could. And and it looked real ugly, but it also looked real dead. And so we were very proud of ourselves. Until about a week later, and little branches started to grow. And at first, I just knocked them off and hoped that maybe they were, you know, little leftovers, but they kept coming back. So we got out the sawzall, and we kept hacking and digging down to see if we could get some roots, and and it was ugly, but we thought it was dead. Until a few days later, branches started to grow. So we poured all kinds of toxic chemicals and solutions on it. We did everything we could, dumped rock salt on it, tried to starve the thing. Three and a half years later, when we moved out of that house, that tree was still growing. Probably is still today. That is the image that Job gives to us today for what hope looks like. Right, Job says, there is hope for a tree that is cut down. That, that in its roots and in its very heart, there is a, a yearning to live. There is a, a, a mysterious force that makes it spring back to life at just the scent of water. It's an amazing thing that, that something up against all the adversity of being cut down, cut to pieces, left for dead, that even, even that has hope. Hope to live again. Hope that springs eternal. Hope like a shoot from a stump. It's a beautiful image, right? It's a gorgeous idea of what it looks like to believe in something in the face of all evidence to the contrary, of of the, the brutal reality of the world in which we live. It is a lovely, lovely image. But here's the problem. The problem is Job is offering a contrast here. At least initially, what Job is saying is, look, Cut a tree down and the thing comes back. But that's not how it works for us. That's not how it works for me. Sure doesn't feel like it anyway. Cut a tree to pieces and and somehow still there's hope. But for me, life is short and it is hard. And there is nothing but sorrow and loss and I don't 
see this ever coming to an end until it's over. And then it will be over. Now, that's a pretty devastating way to think about things. And I don't necessarily suggest that you take that on as a life philosophy if it's not yours already. But I do think it's important to pause, at least for a moment, and realize that for many of our neighbors, and for some folks probably in this room, that's sure what it feels like. But life is just a series of one bad thing happening after another, and then you die. Or as the British philosopher Thomas Hobbes said, life is solitary, poor, brutal, nasty, and short. And that is hard to overcome, especially when you're in that place. Where is hope for those for whom life is a series of unfortunate events? Where's hope for that five-year-old boy, Omran Daknish, from Aleppo in Syria, whose picture captivated the world this week? A boy dragged, covered in blood and dust and ash and shell-shocked, in the back of an ambulance, all alone. What does hope look like for him? What does hope look like for Job? Body racked with sores, lost everything, alone in the world being assailed by sort of helpful but actually really unhelpful friends. There's hope for a tree. What about me? And I think it's important for us to acknowledge that that is ringing loudly in the ears of many people we love, many folk who surround us. And they're begging for at least the presence and patience of those who don't jump too quickly to just paint over it. And, always and, never but, all and, Job is a person of faith. Throughout everything that he goes through, he is a person of deep and abiding and profound faith. In the face of horrible, horrible circumstances, Job is faithful. And as a person of faith, he is not a person of despair. Because people of faith never give in to despair. For people of faith are people of hope. People of faith never throw up their arms and just say, life sucks and then you die. Get over it. People of faith believe that beyond this valley of the shadow of death, there is a promise of peace. There is hope for a tree cut down and for us. But it's not some empty, vacuous, Pollyanna kind of hope that says, don't worry, everything's going to be fine in the end. I know it's hard now, but everything's going to be okay. That might be true, but it's not very helpful. But rather, it is a defiant hope. It is a, a, a persevering hope. It is an impudent hope. It is a hope that shakes its fists at the heavens and demands That God show up and show us hope. Show us life. Show us that beating heart of promise deep 
in the roots of that what looks dead. Ours is a hope that demands that God will indeed come to us and never leave us for dead. And so Job continues. And he says, guys, this is good. You're going to want to write this one down. You're going to want to remember this, Job says. For I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that at the last, even when this flesh, this skin has been destroyed and it's well on its way, he's covered in festering sores, even when this all melts away, still in my flesh, in my own body, in my whole self, I will see God. This will not be the final answer, but rather God will show up. And when God does, God's going to be on my side. You see, the picture that Job is painting here is of a courtroom. And his friends are are across the room at the prosecutor's table. And they're poking and prodding and trying to figure out what Job did wrong. And sometimes it feels like God is on their side. But Job knows. Job knows that his is a God who stands with the innocent. Who sits with those who suffer. His is a God who is in that ambulance in Aleppo. Sitting alongside that little boy. His is a God who will indeed stand on his side. Maybe before, but certainly after death. And bring him back to life. Restore him, redeem him, vindicate him, prove him just. Indeed, give him God's own righteousness. Because that's who God is. A God who shows up. A God who does not leave us for dead. A God who gives hope to the hopeless. And that is the God whom we meet in this place every week. And if it feels a little rude or not very Midwestern of you to shake your fists at the heavens and demand that God show up and and prove God's self to be righteous, prove God's self to be just, prove God's self to be present, and to follow through on God's promises, well, that's what we do when we gather at this table. And see, at this table, we, we remind God of who God is. We remind God that God is a God of promise, a God who for centuries, for millennia, has been guarding, protecting, caring for, and redeeming God's people, bringing them through suffering, not causing it. That ours is a God who has promised to be with us and who fulfills that promise so deeply and profoundly in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we remind God, this is who you have been, this is what you have promised, so show up today too. For we are hurting people. We are broken people. We are lost people. And we need your presence now more than ever. And in this meal, and in the scent of water, just the scent, just a sprinkle, we can trace the sign that indeed shows that there is hope for a tree cut down. And we are reminded that when we place our trust in a God of promise and demand that that God show up, God always does. For ours is a God who makes and eternally keeps promises. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.